everyone, hey there. Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast, a show where we rank and discuss any list you can imagine. Best Costco items, top five TV shows, best beers. Nothing is off limits. Everyone is wrong, even when we think they're right. I'm your host today, Eric Shane, and with me as always is... Zach Rancourt. Zach Rancourt. How you doing, Zach Rancourt? Not too bad. I didn't know I was up because I didn't see my name next, so I was like, wait a minute, you're not Tom Lockhart. No, uh, no, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm... Uh, hang on the script. Huh? It's all good. I'm good. I uh, was just we were before just talking about right before this that I watched the Weird Al Yankovic movie, and I thought it was great. It was a nice palate cleanser from other crummy movies I've watched, but it was great. I am going to probably find a way to watch it tonight. I was... Uh, I, I don't have any of the legit streaming service or whatever that it, it's on. So I think somebody with weird Al was just like, man, there's just like a torrent of options out there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Brilliant. Al. Anyway, and joining us today is also Tom Lockhart. My name has already been brought up. Hi, Tom. How you doing, pal? I'm doing good. I've also seen weird Al and he is weird and Al. That's great. Well, I'm looking forward uh, to seeing that movie. So good. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we, we do enjoy talking about movies. We talked about movies on the Don't Be Crazy podcast not too long ago with Zach. Uh, that was a pretty good, that uh, was a good uh, change of pace, I think, for the three of us. You know, that was good talking about a single movie and just focus down. You had a really good list of uh, questions there, Zach. So I appreciate your, your leading on that. Well, we're going to talk about a very specific genre of movies today. Because uh, last week was Veterans Day and American Civil War General William Tecumseh Sherman said it best. War is hell and its glory is all moonshine. But be that as it may, war movies and military movies are great for those big budget summer blockbusters. It's the closest most of us ever get to war in military life. So there's a natural fascination, right? It definitely captured my imagination as a kid. Those were far and away my favorite movies. And in honor of Veterans Day here in America and Armistice Day everywhere else, we're going to discuss our top five war movies. And to enhance our discussion, we didn't share a list with each other. And by no means are we experts or historians in said category. We're just a few dudes who like to talk about nonsense. And yeah, I was a participant in one, but far and away, not an expert. I was a junior enlisted guy. I wasn't in any planning sessions. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't in charge of shit. So now I want to my, I want everybody to mind that these selections that we're going through here, they don't necessarily have to be true stories and they don't have to even need to be set during a war specifically. It's, it's the military backdrop that I'm interested in because... I want to talk with you guys about what it was about these movies that interested you. If it's based on actual events, is is it the war itself, that specific war that fascinates you? Uh, if it's a true story, what is it about the characters that you identify with as civilians? If it's a totally fictional story, uh, talk about maybe the time period when it was made. Like, why was it made? Is it a spoof movie? Like, what's the purpose of the setting? You know, tr- go, in, go into that a little bit. So let's let's go ahead and start here with Tom. Tom, what is your number one? My number one is uh, Inglorious Bastards. Okay, there you Tarantino. go. Right off, right um, off the jump. I would say that it's probably my second favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, because I really like Django. Django's really good. Um, but then again. Any any Quentin Tarantino movie, I think I, I think maybe the lowest I would rate any is like a B plus, which is a pretty good average for a director. Um, but yeah, Inglorious Bastards, I like it because I like the revisionist history that sure. Quentin Tarantino does when it's just like, hey, what if you know Hitler was just shot up completely in a movie theater and burned to death? Like, let's have that fun thought. Not him in a bunker shooting himself. That's boring. Like, what a coward. Let's have him just maimed by this group of awesome people who are just just a, a fun cast of characters. Oh, okay. I can't, I can't really remember their names because I need to watch that again because I haven't seen it in like at least five years. I'll, I'll jump in, Tom, real quick, because I actually have Inglorious Bastards on my list I'll as well. That. I'm I'm a huge Tarantino fan, and I believe that Inglorious Bastards is just such a superb film with his. I mean, the way Tarantino makes his films, um, he uses nonlinear structure most of the time. 
and he creates these chapters basically. So kind of like you're reading or watching a, a book unfold. And we don't necessarily always stay in the same story. He did this with Pulp Fiction. He did this with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We, we jump around a bit. And so in Inglorious Bastards, we're not just following the bastards. I would argue that they're not even the main characters of the movie. Uh, you know, Shoshana, um, Hans Landa, um, all of them are the arguable main characters of said film. Uh, Friedrich Zoller too. But the reason I, yeah, the reason I love this is because of everything you were saying is the revisionist history that there is where it is kind of, it will not, it's, it's a big middle finger to the Nazi regime and just like, fuck you, you don't get the glory of taking your own life. We're going to destroy you by some, some Brooklyn Jews who come here to hunt uh, Nazis and they get Nazi scalps. And it's just so good. Brad Pitt's amazing. Lieutenant Aldo Rain. I think I quote this movie all the damn time. When I was in Paris, I was going bonjourno, even though it's <laughs> Italian. I was just going bonjourno. And I'm like, and, and every time I see salami, I go Gorlami. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty it is, incredible. It is an eminently quotable movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, is, it, it was fantastically done. I'm I usually favor history, some version of like actual events over something like that. But in this particular case, Tarantino, like he wasn't setting out to tell the World War Two was the setting. That was the backdrop. He did, but it wasn't, you know. It wasn't supposed to be based on a true story or actual events or anything like that. It's, it's fine to go ahead and just make a revenge fantasy war movie that was over the top ridiculous with eye black and all kinds of cool stuff on there. That was that was cool. I It's not on my list, but Inglorious Bastards almost made my list. That is one of my all time favorite movies. But yeah, everything with his characters and his writing. I mean, Tarantino is one of the best there is. And so it's. It's hard because um, I don't think I've ever met anybody who hasn't liked his films, but everyone has their favorites. Everyone has their their weak ones. A lot of people don't like Hateful Eight. I love. Um, I honestly think that my favorite is um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's a culmination of everything that he's ever done. And it's a love letter to cinema, but it's also revisionist history as well. And so at the end of the day, in that movie, spoiler, people were upset that he didn't go into the Sharon Tate stuff enough, but it's not Tarantino's job to teach you history. Um, it's his job to put his vision on paper and then onto the big screen for you to watch, for you to enjoy. And if you want to learn the real stuff, then go take it. Films can take liberties. And that's what he did with Inglorious Bastards. He took many liberties. If you want to know if they're using the right panzers or these sniper towers were up there or, you know, even about these propaganda films like Friedrich Zoller's uh, Pride right. of the Nation. I mean, those right. are real Which, things. That, so that, th that is based in real history. Yeah. yeah. And those are things that if, if you're curious, you need to go uh, search it. It's not up for Tarantino to do that. And going with that in mind makes you enjoy this movie infinitely more. Yeah, totally agree. Well said. You're right. It's not his job to tell history, but I will say with my number one is a World War II based movie, it's Saving Private Ryan. So that one, while also a fictional story, is based in actual events. They start with the invasion of Normandy, which, I mean, everybody who's listening to this has probably seen Saving Private Ryan at least once. That entire scene, I mean, war is hell. Holy hell. That is, that was a horrifying um, uh, vision of what happened. But, and that, and that honestly, that was probably like the reader's digest version of reality. I mean, it was horrifying, horrible, tremendous and terrifying loss of life. And we haven't, we haven't seen anything like that since. And hopefully never, ever again. Um, war is hell. And when you talk about the basics of that story is that he lost, I mean, he had lost his brothers, his, his poor mom had all these boys serving in this war and they all die within like, you know, basically hours of each other, except for one, and then you've got a, a small group of guys who've got to go hunt down and see if they can find a needle in a stack of needles, as they say, to go find Private Ryan to pull his ass out of there. And then when they get to him and they finally find him, there's that very real moment of why, why should I leave? <laughs> why do I like I, I get it? Like, I, you know, I get why you would want to take me home and my mom and all that. But like, you know, I don't deserve to be taken out of here any more than any of these guys next to me. You know, just because I lost my brothers, they lost brothers, too, and cousins and friends. And, you know, you in World War Two, there were whole there were whole streets of dudes wiped out that grew up together, 
you know, it was, it was horrible. Um, but, but it was reality. And that's that, and that with saving private Ryan is one of the, it's one of the most harrowing movies, uh, I think I've ever seen. And it was a beautifully done. Spielberg's a genius and Tom Hanks is a genius. And, um, so I had to put that right up top of my list, saving private Ryan. Um, and also a really quotable, quotable movie with, uh, Fubar and, uh, who all, God, who all was in that movie? Barry Pepper was in it. Tom Hanks. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Yeah, he had a very small role. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, that was Tom Sizemore, Edward Burns, yeah. Barry Pepper, Matt Damon, obviously, uh, Jeremy Davies. He played that piece of shit who was a wimp and he, uh, you know, watches his friend get stabbed. Sure. Well, I mean, I know. get it. I understand it. But yeah, Giovanni Again, Ribisi. It's really easy. Yeah, it's really, you know, it's really easy to call him a wimp, obviously, from the comfort of your couch. But when shit's exploding, well, I know I'm watching you know. a movie, though. I'm I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying for the purposes of this conversation, this is exactly why I wanted to talk about a movie like that. Um, there was um there's a few other people in it. Ted Danson had a small role in it. Mm-hmm. Paul, Paul Giamatti, Giamatti had a small oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Dennis uh, Farina. Uh, wait, uh, yeah. what was um dude from Firefly? Oh, uh, I don't. Uh, oh, I didn't watch Firefly. Uh, you know who I'm talking about? His name? God, I can't. Uh, Nathan Fillion. Yeah, Nathan <laughs> Fillion. He was the first uh, uh, Private Ryan they found. Yeah, the the wrong one. That was, it was Nathan Fillion. Yeah. Mm. So. My brother's in grade school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Man, oh man. Anyway, yeah, that movie is that cast is stacked, stacked to the Gonzo. So yeah, Saving Private Ryan is one of my all time favorite movies. I have it as my uh, on my list as well, because I think that it's one of the greatest openings of any movie of any genre, um, because the the how visceral the film is. I mean, if you have a giant TV in the sound system, watch it. However, the disclaimer would be if you've ever served or you've ever had any type of hardcore trauma, I would probably take that with, you know, um, proceed with caution, because there are plenty of stories out there of people who were actually, you know, at Normandy or they were in Vietnam or they were somewhere and um, like in uh, Iraq and they saw this and it's it just brought back PTSD and and I wouldn't want that on, on anybody. Uh, but I mean, I do applaud Spielberg and his team for hyper realistic nature of filming and just the chaos that's involved. Um, it's a very claustrophobic feeling while it's also an, a wide open beach. It's the claustrophobia of not being able to go anywhere because there's bullets and and shrapnel and mortars flying everywhere at you. And it's I mean, I I wouldn't last a second on that beach. And I know that it's um it's crazy. 18, 19 year old kids are out there and they're just getting mutilated. Just that's, who, tor- that's torn to shreds. And that's who fights your wars. It's crazy it's, stuff. It's 18, it's 18, 19 year old kids, man. Yeah, and eight, you know. Absolutely insane. Um, I think the thing that I love about military films is the the strategy involved uh, yeah. behind the military, like the phalanxes and the pincer maneuvers and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, I just watched Kingdom of Heaven before this. Yeah. And that movie is great from the sense of how to how to uh, hold a stronghold, basically, and how to attack and counterattack. And it's it's I love that idea. And so when they go into um figuring out like when they're pinned down in saving private Ryan, when they're pinned down in the streets and they have to figure out how they can get around and, you know, lay down cover fire at the, at the tower, they see one of those snipers and just all of that that goes into it is, is so freaking epic. It's, it's such an incredible film. And the biggest, most egregious thing about saving private Ryan is it did not win an Oscar that year. I can't believe the Oscars are bullshit anyways, but guess what movie beat out saving private Ryan? What? Shakespeare in love. Okay, oh, I, I couldn't remember what your yep. crash was. I nope. really can't believe that. Yeah, Saving uh, Private Ryan is incredible. It's it's an A plus of a film. Uh, every time I watch it, I'm just I can't I can't watch it all the time. But I mean, it's one of those ones because it's almost three hours long. You're just, whew, God, yeah. it's good. So um, I'm gonna jump in because it's on my list too. Good. Okay. You guys said a lot, but I'll I'll say it is one of the movies that makes me cry, and I sure. cry uh, during the. Giovanni Ribisi scene when Mm -hmm. he's like he's the medic but he's also the one who's injured and he's just like trying to like get them to help him he's trying to direct them and then he just knows he's gone and Mm -hmm. when he's like crying out for his mom and it hits me I'm getting like tingles in my body right Mm -hmm. now where it just hits me where he's incredible acting oh incredible acting it's really good Uh, I appreciate you bringing up Zach the uh, you know some of this stuff can be triggering for people who have 
suffer trauma. So yeah, for folks who had that movie came out when some of the survivors of Normandy were still around. I yeah. mean, there's still a few of them, but they're very very few and far between. Yeah, now. It came out in 1998, which right. you know what, uh, 47 years after it, 44 years, give or take. 44 years later. 44 years later. So right. uh, very so much so. Those 44 years ago was like 1978. Yeah. So, so like that's that the time time is fucky when you think about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. Uh, well, I'm glad I, that I mean, that just speaks to how great of a movie that is. I mean, we hardly we do have cross choices sometimes, but for the three of us to all sit here and say, yeah, that's definitely on our list. I mean, it's one of those all time great movies. I can't believe it didn't get an Oscar. That's nuts. Yeah. I mean, well, the Oscars are stupid anyways, but especially in 98, but I mean, it still was just, yeah. Star power galore. Fantastic film. Yeah. I can understand how with like world war two vets who are still around, how they, maybe they wouldn't want to see saving private. Like I, I didn't experience anything, anything close to the horror that those people, uh, experience in World War II. N- nothing even close. Or really even Vietnam. But like, I, I won't watch her locker because it's like, I did that. I was with EOD. I was with the engineer. So I'm like, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to see it. I have my reasons. I don't want to see it. Maybe you, maybe it's a really good movie, but I'm not, I'm not going to watch it. But I will move on to my number two and kind of go back just a little bit here to a kind of a fun movie. Uh, Full Metal Jacket is one of my all-time favorite movies as well. And I will tell you that one the thing that everybody remembers about Full Metal Jacket is obviously the performance of Arlie Ermey as the drill instructor. The first half of the movie is just boot camp, really. You know, Second half is when Joker and all of them are in Vietnam. But the first half of the movie and really the bulk of that movie and the important part of the movie is in boot camp. Uh, when I first saw that movie... I was at my dad's house. My dad was a Marine. Okay. And my dad explained, he's like this, this DI, this guy, he had to have done this before at some point in his life. There was no way this is not acting. This is too good. I don't think my dad did not know this at the time. Cause this was before, like he did a whole, like the internet was really like whatever, um, really huge and all that. Uh, I, yeah, actually R E yeah, Arlie Army. Yeah, he was a drill instructor. He really was a Marine. He was a gunnery gunnery sergeant. He was a drill instructor. He this was not really acting. He had been brought in and maybe Zach, you know, this maybe Tom, you know, this, but he had been brought in originally to teach the actor to be a D.I. That was the idea. He was there as a consultant and he was so awesome at it. So it's just naturally awesome at it as he was doing all this work in front of the camera with the actors. They're like. He's like, why don't you just get me to, why, why, why don't I just do it? <laughs> why, why don't I just do it? And eventually they agreed and they said, yeah, here, okay, well, he's gone from consultant to actor. So um, it is, what's really important about that movie is it shows, and the backdrop is boot camp preparing for Vietnam. What's important about that movie is it shows the transition from civilian life to becoming a soldier, becoming a Marine. Um, that is a short amount of time for, for the army. It's nine weeks for the boot camp for the Marines. It's 12 weeks, but that's still a really short, that's a small window of time to turn somebody from a civilian, a kid, usually 18, 19 year old kid, usually right out of high school or, you know, civilian into somebody who is capable of taking a weapon into a war and taking somebody's life you go through some pretty traumatic shit. There's a lot of conditioning physically, emotionally, and mentally that goes into that process. It, it changes everyone. It just, it will, um, how much so they explore that as well. They explore that with Joker's character because he becomes, you know, he was a smart ass, <laughs> you know, he was just a, he was just an incurable smart ass at first. And as the movie goes on through base, through boot, you see he takes more of a leadership role, really a mentor role to uh, to private pile and to some of the others. And you see pile on the other end of it. He just he, he breaks. He just breaks. Uh, and that happens, unfortunately, not usually to the tragic level that happened in that movie, but it does happen. It can and will break people because they do attack your mind. They have to in order to do that job. You you're it will attack your mind and who you are. So. Uh, that it's a fantastic movie. Um, and there's not a whole lot of combat in the movie, but, uh, what, what's in there is, is 
a lot of tactics, like you say, and it's got a great cast as well. There's a lot of, a lot of great actors in that movie. So full metal jacket is mine. Number two. I've only seen it once. I really like Kubrick a lot. Um, and I've only seen it once and it was in film class in college. Uh, I don't, I didn't like it when I saw it, but I also, that's not fair because it's been 15 years, give right. or take. Well, not that long, but you know, like 12 years. And so, um, I, I, I should watch it again. I, I, I just, along the lines of Jarhead, um, I was never in the military, so mm-hmm. I, I know friends who were in the Marines that were like, yep, I mean, a lot of it is yep. you're, you're, you're waiting around, you're, you're, you're hydrating, yep. you're exercising, yep. you're doing that shit, yep. you're doing, you know, uh, training and whatnot, but yep. it's, it's not all action packed like it, like it sounds like. And so I think that right. that's, that's fascinating to, uh, give you the real life perspective of it. Uh, but I, I still was, I just didn't really like it as much, but I also was uh, inundated with a lot of other war films during this time because we also sure. had to watch like Apocalypse Now and some yeah. other ones. And I think Apoc- Apocalypse Now was fantastic, but sure. Full Metal Jacket just never hit it for me. Um, but it, it is one that I, I think I'm definitely going to have to revisit because of the fact that, well, it's cultural significance, but also just Kubrick is is the man. So um, I think I'll, I'll, I'll find some time one of these days to jump back into it. Right. Apocalypse Now is. Uh, did you ever read Heart of Darkness? No, but I've I've read excerpts of it and I've um, uh, seen uh, enough of it because uh, it was Sinclair, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, what Heart of Darkness? Was it Upton Sinclair, or, or was it who wrote it? Oh, oh, um, f- you would ask me that. Uh, fucking uh, Joseph Conrad. Okay, that's right. Joseph yeah. Conrad. Yeah, so it's literally sitting right here on my shelf, and I just didn't think to turn and look. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. It's 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 a it's not an actually not that easy of a book to get through, which is surprising considering it came out around turn of the century. Mm-hmm. Those books are usually much easier to read by to get when you get to that point. But that and it's not that long of a book at all. Um, but that that story is it is horrifying, and um, for exactly the reason that Apocalypse Now is. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I could see why if you're experiencing that in Brando's all time, all time performance in that movie. Uh, and Sheen as well. Um, how full metal jacket would be like, eh, what, why do I, what, why do I care about that? But I would suggest giving full metal jacket another chance. Now that you have a little bit of distance to it. Um, yeah, give it, yeah. give it another, give it another go. It's on HBO max. So there you go. there's, there's that. And that. that's one of my, my criteria is it has to be streaming for me to watch it. Cause I do not want to keep buying shit. So uh, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Makes sense. Tom, have you seen full metal jacket? Yes. But just like Zach, I, I, I know I liked it. I just don't remember it. Cause it was like 15 years ago. So I don't, I don't, I didn't remember it enough to know if I wanted to put it on the list. Fair enough. Maybe if I would have gotten a chance to like watch it before we recorded, I might have been like, okay. okay. So I, I have to rewatch it too, like Zach. Well, I think we, uh, because we all had crossover there, I think, Tom, you're moving on to your number three already, I think. Yes, I believe that is true. Um, my number three is Jojo Rabbit, mm-hmm. uh, which is a movie that I loved a lot that came out recently by... Uh, Taika Waititi. I always say his name wrong. I hope I got it right for once. <laughs> um, but I mean, I I love the fact that it the little kid's imaginary friend is Hitler, and the way that it make hit makes Hitler into such a buffoon <laughs> yeah. is just so enjoyable to right. see Hitler on the screen and just him be the dumbest person in the room. And just like, you're like, Oh, but yeah, that whole movie is great. Um, the whole relationship between the kid and his mother um, is, <sighs> it's real, real sad. Yeah, it is. And don't spoil it. Don't leg. Uh, don't spoil it tom i'm not gonna spoil it but it's super fun and everyone should enjoy it <laughs> i crossed it off my list because i found some other ones that i was like oh man that one just edges it out because this was a tough this was a tough list for me i probably if you know erased it uh four or five times like some of the the choices but jojo rabbit's incredible it was one of my favorites of the decade um absolutely bald at a moment that just utterly took my breath away i was shocked i i wasn't expecting it at all honestly and um just wonderful beautiful performances from everybody scar joe taika waititi was, it was fantastic as hitler 
And I think the, the beauty of this is the revisionist history, like we're saying, where um, this movie was under, under a lot of fire because people who don't understand satire, they haven't seen a Mel Brooks film, don't understand that satire is is just that. It's to make fun of the nonsense and the the, the idiot idiotic tendencies and, and natures that that were this Nazi regime, right? The fact mm-hmm. that they believe certain things like when rumor uh, or Rebel Wilson talks about how like, oh, Jews are these evil monsters and they have their horns coming out. And how do we get them kids? We like, yeah, we stab them with, a, with, with the knives over here or whatever. Like the shit that, <laughs> that they're saying, you're like, what are you talking about? Right. And they're like, oh, they, 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 they don't like gold. They're allergic to gold or something like that. And yeah. that shit was, is, it's hilarious because there were this, this Nazi regime was so evil and so stupid that they right. legit thought of that. And I, I find parallels now to the QAnon supporters where I'm right. like, I just laugh because I'm like, are you this stupid? There's that you a think- lot of anti-Semitism out there it, right it, now. And there it's is. And loud. And, and, and this movie is not celebrating it in the slightest. No. Taika Waititi, a Jew himself, right. is, is very much like, dude, this is just asinine. And if we're and not careful, a, yeah. history will repeat itself. And that's what these are. Uh, these films are for. They're cautionary tales to be like, look what happened when, when these, these hateful right. people followed a hateful man. We're scared he, this might happen again. He does a great job there because all the villains always think they're the heroes. You know, they they thought they they convinced themselves that they were doing something good. We can easily look back on it now with all this distance and be like, you see the movies and it's like, OK, well, obviously these dudes were bad, you know, goose stepping and all that. Right. For a lot of people at the time, it didn't seem like they were so bad. Like there was a lot of people talking, you know. Oh, oh, what about these uh, Nazi people? Oh, are they really as bad as some people are saying? Oh, I don't know. Like. So when you like, for example, you what's the the SS guy when he 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 sounds so wholesome when he knocks on the door? He's like Heil Hitler. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> just, well, but even that in itself too, the Heil Hitler, the, the, how they yeah. had to do it every single person is just Hitler, how fucking Hitler, yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. It exactly, is. exactly. You know, the Gestapo and stuff. Right. Beautiful, oh, beautiful movie, movie. Oh. and it takes a incredibly dark subject and makes it. Um, entertaining and warm and also still horrifying because there were, were a couple scenes in there that were like, Ooh, okay. Yeah. This actually is super, super gross. Mm-hmm. Um, just like I've been laughing this whole time and then, Oh, my heart breaks. Yeah. Oh God. Well, and it's a wonderful message too, just about um, understanding, you know, the, the dangers of, of um, how as kids, we we're so impressionable and we can look at things and we, we don't know what's right or wrong. But his mom is just there to make sure he has a fun life as a child, not to get involved as an eight year old boy in a Nazi regime or filled with this hatred. I mean, think of when we see kids that are out protesting with their parents. They have no fucking clue what they're protesting. These kids are this is their surrounding that they grew up in. These kids should be playing and having fun and uh, making up their own decisions, you know, reading books, all that kind of stuff. And I think that that's what. Taika really nails and hammers home in this and at, towards the end when he says, you know, Jojo Rabbit, he's like, just try to do your best. And that's all you can really ask any single day is just try to do the best. With his and, imaginary friend being Hitler. I mean, that's that 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 is a representation uh, of, fuck all off those, yeah, of all those voice of all those voices uh, mm-hmm. that he's been hearing and all that entire culture that he's been surrounded by and inundated with since he was a baby. Uh, like whenever he's thinking, well, maybe she's not so bad. Uh, of course she is. What are you talking about? That's like his subconscious that, cause he's just been fed this, this hateful garbage his whole life. So yeah, uh, that's a beautiful rep- and humorous representation of that reality. The so. fact that he's eating a roasted unicorn itself shows, I think right. that sums up the entirety of the film of, <laughs> of how ridiculous and asinine it is. And everyone yeah. knows Hitler ate, only unicorn right oh exclusively unicorn mate uh oh, that's a that's God. a great selection south park is some of the best satire mm-hmm. ever um i think uh take here did a just a, a wonderful job here this is the this was a great selection well said 100 percent. eric you're number three my number three uh isn't satire it is a war movie it is a cold war movie and it's Hunt for Red October. Oh, nice. I love Hunt for Red October. Now, so it's based off the Tom Clancy novel, the, the Clancy verse. Um, it's set during the Cold War. Uh, for those who haven't seen it, I mean, obviously watch it. I'd say don't even try to find it streaming. Just buy it. Uh, now, Hunt for Red October is the idea is the this is during the Cold War. The setting is 1984. 
the Russians had developed a new submarine that had a basically a stealth drive system for a submarine. See, we've got listening posts all over the water and all these cool ways of detecting things moving through the water. Um, but this thing had, it's like they developed basically a jet engine for the water. So it would sound like, you know, whales humping as they put it, or you know, <laughs> a, a seismic anomaly or something, anything except like a submarine. So uh, it showcased uh, all the, uh, all the human and technological expertise that was at play during the cold war on both sides. Um, Sean Connery was masterful, but it also showed uh, it was a, it was a spy movie as well as a, uh, a war movie because the cold war was mostly fought between the KGB and CIA. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? The Navy, the navies were positioned and jockeying each other out on the water and the, the pilots were doing their, you know, shadow runs at each other and they still do that a little bit. Um, but the actual the combatants that really fought and died were mostly CIA and KGB and operatives working for those two entities. So there there were there were real lives at stake there. Um, Hunt for Red October. And also uh, it's also a political movie because you see scenes with uh, uh, Secretary of War dealing with the ambassador from Russia and they're sort of jockeying, you know going to pretend like I don't really know. And you're, you know, these lies feeding on top of lies. And it's, it's a really interesting thriller in that way. Hunt for Red October is one of my favorite all time movies. I'll watch it. I watch it at least once a year. And it's part of the Jack Ryan series that Tom yep. Clancy created. Um, I mean, Tom Clancy, one of the most famous military authors ever, uh, right. just really knows how to jam up those movies, man. Patriot games, clear and present danger. Some of all fears. Um, I haven't watched the show with uh, Jim Halpert in it. Um, but <laughs> I've heard good. it's, I've heard it's really good. There's two yeah, seasons yeah, and I've heard it's, it's excellent. So I have not seen the hunt for red October surprisingly, which is crazy, but it is on Netflix streaming. So that will be something I will have to watch because it's just one that I've, I've heard amazing things from it. So I cannot, I cannot stress enough how much I love that movie. Like I said, I'll yeah. watch it at least once a year. And I'm uh, I, I'm very much a, I don't need necessarily action like so we did Game of Thrones, right? Some of my favorite Game of Thrones episodes were the ones yeah. when it was just tons of awesome dialogue intrigue, and intrigue and dialogue yeah, and, and drama. And you're sometimes you have to get a thesaurus to understand what they're saying or I'm sorry, a dictionary to understand what they're saying. Or sometimes you just have to really like pause it. You're like, wait, so if they're going here, what's going on? But yeah. I, I love that kind of shit in movies. You'll, you'll like out Red October then. Tom, cool. you're going to say something. Uh, I was going to say, I'm glad you said that you haven't seen it because neither have I. <laughs> and oh, I just want to be the man. only one. <laughs> let's, let's do a watch party. I don't know, whatever. Okay. We'll watch it together and we'll maybe we'll stream our reaction. It's a reaction <gasps> video. Put it on YouTube. Hey, maybe. Oh, my God. It is red. <laughs> okay. That's uh, no, not at all. all I, right. already, I already okay. found Red October, but we can't watch it. It's November. We can't watch it in November. I'm going to hit all of your how it works. we got to wait for a whole year now. <laughs> all right. All right. Moving on. Zach, what's your number three? Oh, man. Okay. So um, I am going with this uh, curveball slash amazing film, but it came out in 1997, and it was directed by one of my favorite directors of all time, Paul Verhoeven. Uh, it, it, it's about a... I'll just I'll kind of set it up for you. But uh, in Buenos Aires, Argentina, uh, young Johnny Rico is in high school and all he really wants to do is be something and, and, and move in with his hot girlfriend, Denise Richards slash um, Carmen uh, Rodriguez, I think is her last name. Mm -hmm. Anyways, um, they. Meanwhile, in the backdrop be between all of this, there is a bug invasion, a bug war going on in space. And Rico ends up joining the military and he becomes a trooper, a starship trooper to hey. say that was a terrible synopsis. I probably should have said so, I, I wrote something down, but that's OK. Anyway, Starship Troopers is my choice from 1997. It is such an absurd. Obscure and absurd. I'm trying to type as I say this. It is such an absurd film and, and uh, plot, and it makes all the sense in the world once you watch it. Every time I watch it, I gain something new from it. And it's not when I was a kid, I used to I used to love it because I'm like, oh, yeah, look at these naked scenes. You can see boobs in it and stuff when they co-ed shower. But yeah. it is it is satire to the fullest, but it's so um, serious. And that's the thing about it. Like anybody who watches it or goes into watching it or knows Verhoeven would be like, this is exactly what he does between this Robocop and total recall, his trifecta of films, 
they are so incredibly smart and so incredibly um, on the nose that it, it, it's it's uncanny. I mean, this movie is about fascism. It's about how sexy fascism is. You have beautiful people who no way in hell look like high school students killing bugs, yeah. doing all these badass things, muscles, big boobs, like tight butts, all this kind of stuff. And you're like, can man, I, I want to join the army now because I get I, to do all this. Can what, I cut in and mention that the, the original story was actually more of a libertarian it, warning about that? It, exactly, which is which is incredible because Robert Highland's novel is nothing like it. Well, no. not nothing. They, they take bits and pieces, but sure. it's very much a, a foundation for something. You have some of the same characters, but that was more of a, yeah, I would say, yeah. God, I, I wouldn't even say against war. It's almost kind of like a recruiting tool for, for the military, but that's how at least I interpreted the book. Um, I wonder. I wonder if he if he did. Well, Highland didn't, but the 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 movie was very much like that. It was almost like a a pro war movie, almost. Well, so but the book wasn't, but it was it was satirical in a sense. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. The, the books, I guess it is pretty anti war when you think about it. Right. Um, it's it's told from story points so it's told from a uh, character's points of view like they're they're reminiscing basically so it's not a, a linear narrative or anything is is the director and i'm i'm really asking because I, I don't know uh is he making a satirical point by by taking the other angle on that so um, yes so verhoven is dutch and he grew up during uh the time of of uh the nazis and stuff and so he he saw the hatred and everything that could could occur uh during that time or the fallout at least and so um he has firsthand experience with fascism yeah. and so for him He's giving a big middle finger to it and talking yeah. about how corrupt it is. I mean, look at the the recruiting videos that they had. They're like, you know, do you want to know more? And you can go squish bugs together and stuff. It's just like that was the war effort. And um, and, and making it look sexy is just so dangerous. But the movie, it's it's better and better. And it's constantly misunderstood by people. But it's so fucking cool and good. And I, I love it with all my heart. It's one of my favorite movies yeah. ever. Actually. I hated it when I was a kid, but I love it now. Dude, it's so good. That's, that's funny. You hated it. I wonder why. Well, I did not hate it because it's also on my list yeah. um, and it's on my list for slightly different reasons. So growing up, my favorite book was Ender's game. Great book still is my favorite book. Um, which is also a, that's about children being recruited to kill aliens that are bug like. Um, and when this, when I saw this, this was the closest movie that had ever come to that. So it was like, yes, I love this movie because it's so close to my favorite book. And then they came out with an Ender's Game movie. And guess what? It made me love this movie even more because that movie was trash. <laughs> and this is still the closest thing to Ender's Game to me <laughs> because, oh, that Ender Game. Oh, I can't, don't get me started on Ender's Game. Okay, no, I, I want to oh. hear everything about it. We have time, Tom, <laughs> okay, especially so, since we have so many crossovers. So in Ender, Ender's Game, the movie, like, he beats up a bully at the beginning of, of the book um, and he beats him up brutally because he wants to make sure that the bullies never bully him again. Um, and then later in the book, you find out that that kid died in the movie kid doesn't die at all. Um, and then when he's in battle school, he's being, he has bullies and he fights one of the bullies and he kills the bully. He doesn't know that he killed the bully, either of these bullies. Um, and in the movie, he doesn't kill either of them. And it's like, He's supposed to be known for being so ruthless, like of a commander. That's why he's like the guy who's going to lead the army. It, he's so ruthless that he's killed these kids, even though he doesn't know it. But in the movie, they take that away. And it makes me so angry mm. <laughs> that they would take away that thing that is like, that's the reason they want him as the commander. Like, oh, I just shit. I hate oh, that. They change a bunch of little stuff too that irritates me, but we don't need to get that's that's <laughs> okay. Just that, this sounds like a, a Tom only <laughs> podcast episode. It's like yes. here's why Ender's Game is bullshit. Like so I can make bullshit. a YouTube video of it. You're just ranting and raving in your apartment. <laughs> Pacing. No, no, shut up. This is why <laughs> you're all idiots. All right. But yeah, yeah I Starship didn't, Troopers is great. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't care for it when I was a kid. I, maybe the bugs just kind of freaked me out or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what it was. It just didn't do anything for me as a kid. Um, 
maybe I don't know. Maybe it's because I wasn't super into sci-fi at the time, other than like Star Wars. But uh, I don't. I don't really know. But yeah, as an adult, yeah, I go back and look at it. It's great. Hey, how funny is the what they thought would be really sci-fi techie back then? Remember how they were like making pictures and sending each other picture messages or whatever in the school, and it was like real 1990s and. I could do better than that right now on my phone with you guys. And that's supposed to be like 200 years in the future or whatever. Anyway, what a bunch of dumb idiots. I mean, listen, when you're doing sci-fi, you're kind of guessing, right? You're kind of guessing what the future is going to be like. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Starship Troopers. Great choice guys. So I guess that means I'm moving on to my number four. We're making really good time here. Uh, thing is I have a whole list of, uh, of movies to go through here. So I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go with Black Hawk Down. Oh, good choice. Yeah, Black Hawk Down. Um, I, when I was in the Army, I joined in 2002. I went to basic training in May of 2002, May and June of 2002. May, June, July. A um, couple of my drill sergeants were there. See what I'm saying? Because this happened in like 90, what, 92? It was, small, it was Mogadishu, I think Nin- it was 90- 93. 92, 93, 93. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, th- this happened nine years before I joined the army. So it wasn't that long before. Um, a couple of my drill sergeants were there. He, he, they, you know, they knew the guys who, who died. Um, Black Hawk Down is, came out, I think we we're in high school, right? Um, it is one of those, it's one of those movies where it, it is so very real. Obviously it's based on a true story and the, most of the characters in the movie were real people and um, it, it focused on the horrors of personal combat like that and being surrounded really in a country where uh, you are hated absolutely by everybody and everybody's got guns and it shows how, man, you can have great plans, but they can go south on you in a hurry. And what are you going to do then? Uh, you lean on the guys next to you. Um that movie was it was, it was horrifying. It was heartbreaking. Um, it was it was really impactful for me, and it was impactful for the guys I ended up serving with because obviously what happened next. But uh, we watched that in basic, uh, and uh, some of the drill sergeants talked about you know not getting the support you were you should have had from the Pentagon, not being mission ready because some apparatic or whatever at the Pentagon didn't quite you know they decided that you don't need it. And not letting the commanders on the ground make the decisions that they need to make in order to carry out the mission. Um, yeah, that 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 shit's real. Uh, I'm glad to say that we learned our no, we did not learn our lesson from that at all. <laughs> <laughs> not 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 one goddamn bit. But that is a movie that um, I could tell you that officers have to watch. Uh, we we watched it in basic training. I don't know if they still do or not, but uh, it's maybe not as not as timely. But uh, yeah, uh, Black Hawk Down. Oh, it's a great movie. I had that on my list and I was like, I got to erase this one just because it's been it's been a long time since I've seen it. And so it wasn't fair for me to put it on there as as one of my top five because I didn't want to uh, take away from anything else. Like if I didn't put Starship Troopers on, I'd be like, well, I think I like Starship Troopers more. But Black Hawk Down is just so intense. And another along the lines of Saving Private Ryan, just a crazy cast. Josh Hartnett, Ewan McGregor, Tom Sizemore again, Eric Bana, Willem Fickner, Ewan Bremner, Sam Shepard. It goes on and on. And it's just a who's who's right. Jason Isaacs, (laughs) Lucius Malfoy. But there are so many great moments in it, too. And it's such a high stakes film. And I don't know much about uh, Mogadishu. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Uh, I don't know much about it other than, you know, like brief YouTube things. Um, But it is it's it's history. And and I'm sure they took some liberties. But holy crap, when not many, you know, when yeah, when when he's like, oh, we don't need the extra ammo. It's like, whoa. And when you think about it, obviously, hindsight's 2020. But it just it's crazy. It's just crazy to see. something routine like this could just go so incredibly wrong. I mean, we talked about that whenever we went, you know, on patrol when I was in Iraq is how much are you going to carry? Cause mm-hmm. how much do you want to fucking carry? And we're supposed to come back. Yeah. But what if, you know, shit gets shit goes sideways. And we're exactly. always like that, that is, that was in our psyche and that stayed in people's psyche for a long, long time. And like how you and McGregor becomes just the coffee guy to a full on fledged, like badass mm-hmm. and 18 year old Orlando Bloom. And just the, the reality of that, of he's 18 years old. So yeah. it's, 
It's crazy stuff. But yeah, that's a that's a great movie. I love that one. Yeah. Tom, you saw that one, right? I know I've seen it, but I don't remember a thing about oh, it. Oh, like, you're killing me. <laughs> I, I just, it, I know, like, when I was looking for movies, I, I scrolled past it and I was like, I know I've seen it, but I don't remember a single thing from it. I know mm-hmm. I liked it. It's one of those ones where it's like, I know I liked that movie, and yet I, I don't, don't have a single memory about it. It's on my list because of how impactful it was, but I mm. don't, I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. Mm. Yeah, I that, don't know if I, I don't sense. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. If it's on, I'm changing. I'm just walk. I'm not going to watch it. No, that but totally it, makes sense. But uh, it is a really good movie, an impactful movie and an important story. So I really like Eric Bana. He plays yeah. the Army Ranger. And it's like yeah. when they he's come back, a, he's like yeah. loading up and he's going to go back out there. It's like, holy shit. He, he is an amalgamation of a number of people who were there. Mm. And, and there are there are guys like that. You know, I knew guys like that. So. Um, so that is my number four, Zach, what is your number four? Ooh. Okay. So, uh, 2017 Christopher Nolan movie, um, allied soldiers from Belgium, the British Commonwealth and empire and France are surrounded by the German army and evacuated during a fierce battle in world war two. This is Dunkirk. Dunkirk is one of those grandiose, amazing Nolan films, but, but an actual true story and his love letter to, to those soldiers in Dunkirk, that that kind of black mark in British history where it was kind of an embarrassment. You know, in 1940, there were 400,000 British and French soldiers holed up uh, in Dunkirk on that French port town. And the the Royal Navy and, and Britain decided to send civilian boats um, and other terms of evacuation or uh, paths of evacuation to try to get these these 400,000 British troops back home. And um, it's, it's it's incredible. And and along the lines of how I was talking about the nonlinear storytelling where a film uh, time jumps. So in this movie, it follows three stories, basically, uh, through the eyes of various soldiers. So you have some foot soldiers that they experience time in um, a few hours or a few hours. Then you have some pilots experiencing time in a few days or other way around. And then you have uh, sailors, common citizens from uh, from England sailing over to Dunkirk in the matter of like a week. So all of those different times with it, with um, uh, crossing story paths and arcs and whatnot, it's it's just so well done. The sound is incredible. The spectacle is incredible. It's it's a wonderful movie. I absolutely love it. If you have a chance, watch it in 4K, watch it on a huge uh, screen and just enjoy the shit out of it. I love Dunkirk. I have not seen Dunkirk yet. Oh, man, it's a good one. It's just, it's, I, I mean, I probably like read up a little bit. On the, I'm sure you know about the history I'm of it too. Oh, so, yeah. so it's, it's, it's fascinating. But I mean, I, I, all of my, my British friends just, you know, they think it's smashing because of kind of that, that love letter to Nolan, basically to his home, just saying, hey, you know, even though he's, he's Chicago born, he still has British roots and it's it's holding it down up there um, for a celebration of this dark mark in their their history where it's, it is a retreat. But at the same time, they got so many people back. Churchill did did a great job in this of of getting his troops back home. Um, it's it's very harrowing. There are moments like when they're in a boat and I won't say anything and you're just uh, I don't like it. So I know. Um, I know. Yeah. And also, it has a uh, a dogfight scene with Tom Hardy because you can never hear him in any movie. But he's like with a mask on. Uh, but oh, he's yes. he's flying. Yeah, he's flying a a plane. I'm not good with planes. Um, and it's it's just incredibly visceral. Like I'm saying, where you know he's in a dogfight with other German fighters and just unreal when you're in that cockpit with him and you're looking around and you hear just, you don't know what's going on because they don't have radar in, in 1940. So you're looking around and you're trying to find this other plane and holy shit, it's good. I so. also have not seen Dunkirk, <laughs> oh, man. which it's, I feel exactly, embarrassed about because yeah, when, yeah. when I saw like the previews for it, I was like, that looks so good. I'm going to see that in theaters. And then I still haven't seen it. <laughs> it's just one of those movies. It's like it's right. I know it's right up my alley. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. There's just so many other things going on that, you know, yeah. this is this isn't one of those ones where I guess. Yeah, it's a little bit embarrassing that I haven't seen it yet. 
Nah, it's all good. But yeah, if you do want to watch it, um, I don't know what it's streaming on. It's on Tubi. I own it. I think it's incredible. You, I think you can probably get it right now for probably ten bucks in four K. It's just I'd probably so goddamn good. I'd probably I would buy assume it just to make it's on HBO, would, isn't it? Maybe. Uh, some things because some... it's Warner Brothers, right? Yeah, but assume. like, but, but it, it, it might not. But yeah, that's the only it's... place I can think of. Some some things definitely are, some things aren't, um, even though it's just that. No, it's not streaming anywhere for free right now, but it's $8, 4K if you want to buy it from Google, Amazon, or YouTube TV. Um, so so there you well, go. But we're definitely going to have time for a couple of honorable mentions at the end because there's just so many great uh, movies of this. So let's just go ahead through our number five. And Tom, what's your last one? My last one was one that I was kind of going back and forth with, mostly because I think of it more as a love story. Um, and that is Braveheart. I remember this is how I convinced my wife to watch Braveheart because I was I, every time I'd be like, ah, you want to watch Braveheart? You've never seen Braveheart. And she'd be like, that runtime? No, <laughs> that yeah. is so long to watch like a war movie. Like I get it. Uh, I was going back like, no, 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 no. It is not a war movie. It is about a man's love for a woman. I got you, don't I? And I did oh, get her. And I fell asleep during it. It's super long. Of course I did. But she watched the whole thing and loved the love story. But there's also some battle in there. And Scotland eventually wins their independence. Mm -hmm. um, William Wallace has a bad time laying down getting sure his guts ripped out sure. uh, yeah the, i which, think everyone's yeah spoilers that movie's been around for what they're 95 yeah. came out in 95 yeah. so yeah okay. i get choked up every time when it starts doing the torturing and then the freedom is when the tears start flowing that's for me. hard to watch man oh yeah Ugh. great choice man phenomenal movie i mean talk about uh, based on actual events, <laughs> loosely based on actual <laughs> yeah, events. The exactly. I'm very aware William Wallace wasn't like the main guy. <laughs> no, the historiosity is uh, rough, real rough. But uh, <laughs> Wait, could... are you telling me that that car driving by in the background wasn't like time? I have to remember what scene that was. I want to see it. I don't think I've ever actually seen it. It's either the first or the second battle. Like you can just see the car in the background because it's just like a close up of like the Scottish army. And then like you just see a car driving through the background. It's just like, what is going on here? All right. So I'm many gonna... mistakes in that movie. It's great. I, I am I think funny. I it holds like was... the record for mistakes. It's so stupid. I'm going to have to look that up now. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now as we speak. Uh, That's so I'm cool. pretty sure there's like uh, there's also a scene where like somebody's just like wearing jeans because it's like uh, one of the crew members happens to be in the shot. And it's just like, oh, Braveheart has so many of those. Okay, yeah. It's actually during that scene. I can see it now. It's during that scene where they're like, hold, hold, <laughs> yeah. and they're charging. And then and the as they're charging forward and they're charging <laughs> over the hill and it looks in the background behind the, behind when the spears level and you look behind the horses and there's a car. <laughs> it's very okay. brief it's very very brief blink and you'll miss it but it's it's there yep there it is <laughs> right before he yells now it's that's so that's so funny. you know what's funny about um about braveheart is it's it, mel gibson is a nut bar i don't like the guy um for his views on things um, sure but he does know how to make a good movie and he has been in some uh, of the most influential movies in, in my life and existence and most memorable. Um, so I'll separate the art from the artist. Uh, however, uh, one thing I thought that was hilarious was this movie is very similar to the Patriot, uh, or I should say the Patriot <laughs> is very similar to this kind of the same ties where he is, he's a calm person, a, a peaceful person, but then gets pushed to the edge when a, a, a one that he loves is killed by a, a obvious villain or someone in power. And then he, uh, kind of grassroots forms a militia sort of thing. And they are the underdogs that end up being like, holy shit. And then there's a downfall and then something happens. I mean, he right. survives in the Patriot, but still there's moments when you're like, he's going to die. He's going to William Wallace it. So I enjoy, I enjoy the Patriot again. <laughs> I, another, I like Patriot another one was loosely based on actual events, but I, I enjoy that movie quite a bit. Um, it's as, as South Park said, say what you want about Mel Gibson, but the son of a bitch, no story structure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Braveheart's a good choice. Huh? Absolutely. Yeah. Phenomenal choice. All right. So with my number five, I'm going to go back in time a little bit. Speaking of long run times, 
I already know the answer. Neither one of you have seen Gettysburg, right? Uh, like in school, I think we watched yeah. watched it briefly, or not briefly, but a little bit. But yeah, Ugh, yeah. I, I was going to say there's nothing brief about a four and a half hour runtime. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, Braveheart's cool because that was uh, the first movie I can remember on VHS where you had two cassettes. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yeah, yeah Gettys- <laughs> Gettysburg also had two because you had to. It was four and a half hours long. Um, <laughs> but uh, the cast is incredible. I'll read off the cast here shortly. But essentially, it is about the most important battle, probably the most important battle fought on American soil, not the bloodiest battle, uh, but definitely the most important battle of the civil war. It was a turning point. It was the high watermark of the Confederacy. Um, and what's interesting about the movie, first of all, it does talk about the tactics, uh, the strategy of why Lee invaded Pennsylvania, what the whole goal was to say right up, at, right at the start, they, they had done well on Southern sto- soil because they had, you know, all the shops they had all they were, they had fewer men than the union, but they knew the territory. They had all the supplies they could possibly muster. Meanwhile, the union, their supply train was miles long and they were, uh, you know, they were, they were easy to get attacked and disrupted and you can't have, you can't have a fighting army if you can't feed that army. And so it, it's always tough to invade period. But, you know, even even back then, invading one state over was was incredibly difficult. Yeah. Well, Lee had had been really successful in the South, and he wanted one more attempt to 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 end the war. So the idea was to go up north, find a place where they could meet up with the Union Army on ground of their own choosing, and utterly destroy the Northern Army somewhere north of Washington D.C., which would send everybody into a panic at that point. Um, good plan had it worked, uh, (laughs) things would have been very, very different. And that movie shows how close things came to being very, very different. Uh, the choices by the generals, um, the tact. So anyway, the tactics is very interesting. The strategy is very interesting. What's even more interesting is they talk about, you know, the cause, uh, this movie has been accused of Southern propaganda. Uh, it's not quite Southern porn like gods and generals uh, was, but they definitely, uh, they definitely try to paint out the, the Southern, co- the Southern generals do anyway, as they're talking about their side of the war, the, the noble side, like I said, all the bad guys always think they're, they're right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the Northern folks, Jeff Daniels and all them, they talk about their side and why they're doing it. And, and then the Southern generals are all doing the same thing conversationally and everybody thinks they're right. And of course it's a British guy, uh, in the middle, of, who's an observer in the Confederate Army, who who puts it succinctly, it's like you're all really just transplanted Englishmen <laughs> in the first place. Look at all your names. It's like you've got the same history, the same God, the same, you know, same culture, same philosophy, but different dreams. You're fighting over different dreams, you know, and so it goes into the movie. Really breaks into the tragic sense of like these these dudes. They all knew each other. I mean, a civil war is is horrible. It's 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 terrible. Um, these dudes all knew each other. I mean, these generals all served together in Mexico. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they stormed the ramparts at Chapultepec together. Like they they've known they went to West Point together. They they've known each other for 15, 20 years prior to the events of the Civil War, uh, and it really breaks into their personal characters, who these men really were, and their relationships with one another as well. And at the end, I mean, with the people who are fall, dropping like flies, um, even, even even some of the Southerners, you're just like, wow, this is this is horrible. This is horrifying that this had to happen. Uh, and it, it's just it's just it's a heartbreaking movie and it's an interesting movie. And historically, it's one of the better ones. Um, it is, I think uh, I saw one guy on YouTube said it's basically America's version of waterloo if you ever saw the movie waterloo uh, it's basically our version of waterloo so if you can stand the four and a half hour runtime uh break it down in the smaller parts you know what I mean? uh then uh you can you can get through it but it's a it's a good watch martin sheen is brilliant in it um i gotta find the whole cast of gettysburg see if i can uh list off some of this so richard jordan he passed away not long after martin sheen was robert e lee tom berenger was in that movie uh he was um Longstreet, Stephen Lang was in the movie. He was yeah. Pickett. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Daniels was Joshua Chamberlain. Sam Elliott was uh, General Buford. Uh, there, there were a 
there are just a bunch of names in that movie that uh, uh, you would recognize. So get, give it a chance. If you, uh, if you've got four and a half hours, <laughs> damn, it's a long run time. It's a long run. It's a long run time. I feel like but, that's uh, like three VHSs back in the it, day. It, it might've been, if oh, I don't remember, it, it might have been. It was a long, long movie. That's epic. I do yeah, like Don, long movies. Don, Donald Logue was in it, too. Mm-hmm. When I younger Donald Logue, he was in it. He was in The Patriot, also. Yes, he was. <laughs> and he was in Blade. <laughs> yes, Very similar he was. movie. <laughs> Incredibly, yeah, identical movie. Yeah. No difference. Yeah. It's about so. a war on vampires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't talk very much about... Uh, they don't talk much about slavery in it at all. I mean, mm. just a, just very briefly, they talk about it. Uh, Jeff Daniels' character talks with uh, his Irish sergeant about basically the nature of uh, morality and humanity, and you know our our place in this war and our place with each other and all that. Um, and so there's there's a peri- there's a there's a brief moment in there, uh, and of course the Southern generals when they're talking about the cause, they're just like you know they're just. Pfft, they, they just brush right over that, of course, which is apropos of what at the time they wouldn't, you know, there's all. Oh, and even now, some apologists are just like, oh, no, it wasn't about now. We're not talking about, it. you know, really states rights. Like, OK, yeah. OK. <laughs> anyway, it's a gr- it is a great movie, though. I really enjoy it. So, Zach, what is your number five? All right. To take us home. Uh, basically, this movie is one of my favorite secret secret favorite movies ever um i saw it on a whim and i was blown away and i've seen it you know aptly the film is is was uh titled live die repeat after people didn't understand that the title was actually edge of tomorrow and uh, i ended up repeat viewing this movie several times i've seen it probably 20 times i love this movie but it is called edge of tomorrow and it stars tom cruise and emily blunt it came out in 2014 but the marketing was was interesting because the tagline on it was live, die, repeat. Uh, and so they decided to make the film called Edge of Tomorrow, semicolon, live, die, repeat. Very weird, very confusing. <laughs> but regardless, it's incredible. Doug Lyman did it. He did the Born Identity. Um, he works with Tom Cruise on various things. Christopher McQuarrie, same thing. He did the screenplay for it. But it is... It has a Beaches of Normandy scene that starts out the movie, but um, humans are fighting an alien race. Uh, the world has united to to join together to kill these aliens because it will mean the wipeout of our existence. And what happens is Tom Cruise is a TV major who is just a pretty boy, but then he kind of pisses off a general and gets sent to the front lines um, completely out of his element. But he ends up killing an alien right as it's about to kill him and all this goo falls on him, uh, burns him. You're like, whoa, that's weird. Then all of a sudden he wakes up in the exact same thing in boot camp, like the, the day he got arrested and sent there. So think of Groundhog Day. It's exactly like that. It's just Groundhog Day. And so what happens is anytime he dies, the day resets and he comes back to that starting point. He gets better with each day that he he comes back it takes him a little while to understand what's going on but emily blunt's character um who's just amazing in this film had the same thing happen to her and so you see him train to get better each time and it's it's incredible um so if you are a fan of those kind of time loop movies uh, like a groundhog day or like a spring break uh, this is your movie and it is just like starship troopers in the sense of these this alien race so much fun action so many cool ideas uh, I absolutely love this movie and it, it will be like one of my dying requests is to have everyone just watch it and just enjoy the <laughs> shit out of it. It's it's so fun. Have you guys seen it? Uh, I'm actually really annoyed because I didn't even think about it as a war movie. This totally would have taken over for like, I think I would have dropped out Braveheart if I thought about it. Ugh. Because I love Edge of Tomorrow. It's so good. I've also seen it like 10 times. Like, well, it, it's just such a good movie. Like, so it's based off a manga called All You Need Is Kill by Hiroshi Sakura- Sakurazaka. And the idea behind it is when you play a video game and, and you're at a, a tough part, right? You have a save point. So you die. You come back. You're like, okay, I'm going to jump over this instead yeah. of walk right through it. So that way you know. Um, and I love that concept. Where, I where, do too. 
Tom Cruise. Yeah. Tom Cruise is like, well, I I clearly died when this plane fell right there. So I'm just going to barrel roll out of it. Avoid that. Now I have to go to the next step. And I love the dialogue in it too. When she's like, what happens next? He's like, I don't know. I haven't made it this far yet. I've seen, I've seen clips of the movie. I just haven't seen the whole movie. I think, I think you'd like it, Eric. I love, I'm sure I know the clips seem interesting. Brendan Gleeson is one of my all time favorite actors. He's so good. Oh, he's so good. He's in it very little though. He's great. (laughs) I know. Uh, Again, he's in one of those movies coming out i was talking about i can't remember what the hell uh, uh the one with uh with colin farrell yeah yeah it, uh, it looks Banshees good because the them yes because then yeah. bruges is a great movie so i can't wait back that together that seems like uh, such a i can't i can't wait to see that movie um uh, my goodness great yeah brendan gleason is one of my all-time favorite actors i just adore just everything i've ever seen in him tragedy of Macbeth. oh my god that was so he he's incredible he's incredible uh, there's another movie on Hulu called Boss Level that's similar pre- yeah, premise. Exactly, that's pretty great too. Wow. I love when a, a just you know going back and repeating those movies are always good. I've never not liked one. Time loop movies are great. Yeah, time loop is great. <laughs> time is an interesting uh, concept to play with in film. I mean, mm-hmm. you might as well, right? So cool. Wow, great list, you guys. There's so many movies we didn't even mention. I mean, Zach, you're uh, 1917. Mm-hmm. Good one. Like. Like incredible, dude. It, speaking of heartbreaking and visceral and, and, and incredible, uh, Heartbreak Ridge was one of my favorite ones. There was the '80s had all kinds of great movies um, for this. Top Gun is one of my all-time favorite movies. <laughs> I didn't even talk about Top Gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Red Dawn. Anybody else got any any others they want to add on here at the end? Uh, I have a, a Troy. Uh, mostly because Troy. I love I love the fight scene between uh, Brad Pitt and Eric Bana. Yeah, like, dude, I, I just, I just love that fight scene. Well, you've seen yeah. all kinds of sword fights. When was the last time you saw a kick-ass spear fight? Yeah, spear fighting is cool. Spear <laughs> fighting around uh, what, the world. Uh, we and then uh, stripes was another one. Yep, yep. And then uh, one that I talked to you at trivia about that was kind of like uh, I don't know is Tropic Thunder, where yeah. it's it's kind of a war movie, but not really, and there's yeah. not really a military presence because they're actors. So, <laughs> right. but the they're pretending now. to be the military. Is that enough? Sure. <laughs> sure. Well, hell, you guys, that was a that was a pretty good uh, list altogether. So. Let me see if I can go down the list here real quick. So Tom's were Inglorious Bastards from 2009, Saving Private Ryan of 1998, Jojo Rabbit of 2019, Starship Troopers from 1997, Braveheart from 1995, Mine was Saving Private Ryan, Full Metal Jacket from 1987, Hunt for Red October from 1990, Black Hawk Down from 2001, and Gettysburg from 1993. Zach's were Inglorious Bastards, Saving Private Ryan, Starship Troopers from 1997, Dunkirk from 2017, and Edge of Tomorrow from 2014. So, great list, you guys. And already, so thank you all for tuning in to the Top 5 Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Podcast Top 5, at ZachDale60, at TomTop5, and me at SnackBurglar, where you can give us ideas, tell us if we're crazy, or even suggest a topic for a future episode. Oh, forgot it was me. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Thank you, and remember, it's okay to be wrong even though you think you're right. When I lost my rifle, the Army charged me $85. That's why in the Navy, the captain goes down with the ship. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Look at you. It costs a lot. (laughs) That's quite a bit. All right, thanks, everybody. Bye. See ya. Bye.